Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. So tonight I'm going to begin with, uh, with verse 4, and we're going to try to go through uh, verse 4 to 12. Let me, let me just read that section to you right quick. If you'll follow along, I'm in 1 Peter 2, beginning with verse 12. It says, And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a cornerstone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builder rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they're disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not uh, received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now that's a, that's a, lot, of, a lot of material, a lot of good stuff right there. Um, and again, verse 4 begins, and coming, and coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You know, this, this section of scripture uh, is, is connected to verses 1 through 3 that we, that we talked about last week. And, and it's connected to those by, by what we call in English a relative clause. Uh, and that clause is, and coming to him. You know, the word coming there uh, means to come with the idea of remaining. Uh, it means to remain in Christ's presence, but also to remain in intimate fellowship with him. And, and we see this same idea in, in the words of Jesus himself uh, when he spoke in John 15, you know, where he says in, in verse 4 of that chapter, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of, of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And then he goes on to say in verses 9 and 10 of John 15, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So 
what, what that's saying is that, that, that we're to come to him, we're to remain in him, and we're to abide in him. Uh, not only do we, do we come to him and, and, and keep coming to him, not only do we come and remain and abide, but we come to Jesus because he is the living stone, a living stone. Notice what it said there in, 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 four, in, chapter, in uh, verse 4. And coming to him as to a living stone. So, you know, keep, keep that, that imagery in your mind there. Uh, you know, um, in, in this phrase, as a living stone, Peter is saying that, that we come to Jesus because in him we find something that's, that's of ultimate and, and, and priceless value. You know, Peter presents Christ as, as a stone or a rock uh, and coming to him as, as a living stone. Uh, you know, and, and this, this imagery of, of Jesus as a rock or, or a stone is, is pretty consistent throughout, uh, throughout the scriptures, uh, uh, even back in the Old Testament. In, in Isaiah 8.14, we read, He will be a, a sanctuary, he will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. In Isaiah 28, 16, we read, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Which is just what we were singing about a while ago. It, um, he is that cornerstone, that, that, that solid rock, that, that foundation uh, that we as Christians build our life on. There's no other foundation out there that's going to that's going to accomplish what what building on that foundation will accomplish. Um, you know Psalms 118:22 uh, there Christ is is presented as as the stone which the builders rejected and as being the chief cornerstone. You know throughout scripture the, the term rock or stone uh, uh, w was accepted as a, as a messianic title uh, among the Jews as well as among, uh, among Christians. You know, and, and perhaps the most familiar reference to that fact is, uh, or to that line of thought, we, we find in Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 17, very familiar passage where, where Jesus asked Peter and the other disciples a tremendous question. You know, they've been hanging out with him all this time. And, uh, and he, asked them, he asked them this question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And that's a whole other teaching there, but, but that's a question that we all have to answer, don't we? Uh, it's not enough to, um, to answer that question by what mom or dad or brother or the preacher said. It's, it's who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock 
I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. You know, in, in that passage, Christ himself is the rock. Uh, you know, he, he's the rock of Peter's proclamation. You know, the rock that the church is, is, is built on. Uh, and and, and it, that, that term rock is identifying Christ himself. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the rock right there that, that Peter's referencing. And here in 1 Peter 2, 4, Jesus is identified as the, as the living stone, a term that refers to the, to the magnificence of the risen Lord. You know, God, God, God's raising Jesus from the dead show, shows us his, his priceless value and emphasizes the preciousness uh, in that he was chosen by God himself. You know, Jesus was and, and is God's precious and chosen son. And this is all authenticated by his resurrection. Um, you know, but despite all this, despite his priceless value, uh, despite his position as, as chosen by God, Christ is rejected by the Jewish nation. You know, the very people he came to, to save. He's rejected by the Jews, and he's also rejected by, by men and women today. And if we move into verse 5, it says, you also as living stones. And that's a, I, I want you to get that transition there. In, in verse 4, we're coming to Christ as a living stone. And here in verse 5, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, you and I as Christians, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, are, are so closely identified with Christ that the very life of Christ exists within us. You know, just as Christ Jesus is a, is a living stone, you and I have become living stones through our faith and our obedience to him. You know, we're, we're no longer who we once were. Uh, so let that sink in uh, if, you, if you haven't already. When you come to Christ, your identity has changed. Who you were becomes who you are. I mean, it's... Uh, um, you know, as living stones, we, we, we've become one with Christ. You know, Paul says it like this in, in Galatians uh, 2.20. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ... And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And he writes again in Colossians 3, beginning with verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So notice also in verse 5, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Now this, this is an important concept right here. You know, God is, is, is building a spiritual house. There's no longer the need for a temple. He's building a spiritual house 
putting all believers in place uh, as stones in that structure with value, with purpose, uh, uh, and, and each one with the very life of Christ Jesus in them. You know, that's you and me. You know, that, to me, that, that's amazing <laughs> that, that, that God sees us like that, that we're living stones that he's placing in his spiritual house. Uh, just and he's placing them just in the right place. Um, Ephesians two nineteen says, "So then you are no longer stranger and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household." And in Hebrews three six we read this: "But Christ was was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are." if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. You and I as believers in the Lord Jesus are, are, are again, are, are living stones in God's spiritual house. Uh, we're not simply stones that are, that are scattered at random, uh, uh, but we're, we're, rather we're stones carefully and, and, and purposefully placed. And I don't know, you know, that, that thought just kind of overwhelms me. Yeah. But not only are we living stones carefully placed, but we now are part of a, of a holy priesthood, according to, uh, to verse 5. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, are, are you getting that? When you and I come to, come to Christ as, as to a living stone, you know, and, and abide with him, we become living stones, uh, part of God's household for all eternity. But now see this. We're, we're not only living stones carefully and, and purposely placed in this structure, in, in this spiritual house, but the Bible says that we're, we're now a holy priesthood. And, and that's, that's an amazing uh, uh, realization to me. You know, Old Testament priests and, and you and I now have things in common. Um, we share many, many similar characteristics. You know, as, as priests, we're just like priests in the Old Testament, we're, we're given a, an elect privilege. You know, we're, we're cleansed from past sins. You know, the priest, before they went in to minister before the Lord had to go through all these rituals and, you know, to make sure they were, they were clean before they appeared before him. You know, we're clothed for service and anointed for service, just like the priest in the Old Testament. You know, as, as priests, we're, we're prepared to serve and we're ordained to obedience, just as the priests uh, uh, in the Old Testament times were. As priests, we're to honor the word of God. Uh, we're to walk with God, and we're to be the messengers of God, just like the Old Testament priest. You know, the main privilege, however, uh, as a priest is, is access to God, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. You know, and, and that's what the you know, priest in the Old Testament did. They offered up sacrifices, but these were, were, were the sacrifices. The, the, the mode of the sacrifice has changed. Instead of the, the blood of uh, uh, goats and rams and, and ox, oxen, they're, 
uh, we're, we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices. You know, spiritual sacrifices refer to the works that are, that are God-honoring works, you know, done because of Christ and, un, and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. You know, so think about that. What, what are some of, the, of these sacrifices that we, that we as, as a holy priesthood offer, uh, offer to God as, as his holy priest? Uh, you know, there, there's several, but just a few here. We, we offer, first we offer ourselves, don't we? We offer up the strength of our own bodies. Uh, Paul writes in, in Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, we, we, so we, we offer ourselves, we offer our, our bodies as a sacrifice. We're to offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. Hebrews uh, 13, 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that gives thanks to his name. So we offer up our own bodies. We offer up the, 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 the sacrifice of praise. Uh, another form of priestly sacrifice is the is the sharing of our God-given resources with others, which we, we just participated in, uh, in in the offertory. Hebrews 13, 16 says, And do not, ne do not de neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So there, there we're, we're, we're working through the role of, of a holy priest again. And, and lastly, and uh, lastly for, for our purposes here, we also offer up sacrifices by putting the, the good of others above ourselves. Ephesians 5.2 says, and, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So to me, that's, that's an amazing concept there that, that, that when we come to Christ, we, he sees us as living stones, as, as integral parts of this spiritual house that he's building. And, and part of our role as these living stones is to be holy priests. We're a holy priesthood. Um, now let's move on into, into verses uh, 6 through 8. Verse 6 says, for this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a cornerstone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This, pre this precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders re rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they're disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. You know, that, that's a mouthful right there. Uh, you know, Peter's citing Old Testament scripture here 
to support what he's teaching. And, and the quotation from, uh, from Isaiah 26, 16 says, Behold, I'm laying a, a, in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone um, for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disappointed. You know, this refers to God's foundation stone, J Jesus Christ himself. And, you know, we've said repeatedly that, that all, through, all through the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, we see Jesus Christ. We see Christ magnified everywhere. But this refers to, to God's foundation stone, carefully chosen and very costly, placed in position in Zion. You know, the picture here is from, from the building of the temple. And Isaiah uses this, this figure to encourage his people to, to build on the Lord himself, the one who's immovable and, and unchangeable. You know, as, as Peter applies this concept, uh, God has set Jesus forth in Jerusalem as the foundation of this new temple. Whoever builds on this foundation will be established and according to God's word, will never be ashamed. You know, Paul writes in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 3.10, According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. And another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. And I tell you this, I wish we had a little more time, this whole idea of, uh, of God's spiritual house and the the and how that's related to the, to the building of the temple. Uh, you know, when they built the temple, it was, was a very costly thing and took a very long time because, because each stone was, was, was specially hewn to, in, a, in a certain shape and, and size and, and was hauled. It's amazing they could do all that without the equipment we have today. But they would haul that stone and place it, and then they would go get another one. And, um, but that's, that's the picture that, that, that Peter's painting here, that, that we as living stones are being placed in, in this new spiritual house, this, this spiritual temple that, that God's building. Um, Ephesians 2.20 says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So in, in these, three, these three Old Testament prophecies, the stone metaphor uh, is used by Peter to show Christ's position as the chief cornerstone of the new spiritual house, which was, which was foreordained by God. You know, the same stone also is going to be a, it's going to be a stumbling stone uh, that brings down the unbelieving in judgment. Uh, you know, Jesus said himself in Matthew 21, beginning with verse 42, that's the stone which the builders rejected, that became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will, it will scatter him like dust. So we all encounter this stone. You know, when we fall on the stone, you know, when we, when we you know, to me that's a picture of, of, of throwing our life onto Christ. 
you know, we're, we're giving it all to him. And when we do that, in our brokenness, he begins to reshape us. Just like Jeremiah talks about in, in Jeremiah 18, the, 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 where he talks about the potter's house and, and how the, the potter takes and forms and molds the clay just, just in the right position. That's what happens to us when we throw ourselves on, on the rock, on the living stone, which is Jesus Christ. We're broken, but then we're put back together. We're put back together so magnificently that we become a, a stone that fits perfectly in a certain place in this spiritual house. Um, now notice here in verse 8 the phrase, a, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Again, this is quoted from Isaiah 8, 14. You know, to, to, every, to every human being, Christ is either, either the means of salvation if they believe, or, or he's the means of judgment if they don't believe, if they reject the gospel. You know, it's just like the, you know, a traveler going down an a unfamiliar road and, and there's a stone there that blocks him. He's, he's going to stumble on it. And, and notice the phrase here, disobedient to the word. Um, you know, w what is their disobedience here? The, it, it's unbelief. Unbelief is their disobedience. Since the call of the gospel is, is to repent and believe, you know, and that's a command from God. And, and it goes on to say they were also appointed. You know, and, and that doesn't mean that they were appointed to fail. You know, you, we have to read that carefully. That's not what God appointed them for. They were appointed uh, that in their, un, if they didn't believe, if they didn't repent, if they didn't throw their, themselves on the rock, which is Christ, uh, then they, they were doomed to judgment. You know, that, that's, that's something we need to, to latch on to, that, that judgment or, or unbelief is as divinely appointed as salvation is. You know, one or the other. Um, now, now let's get back to our text here and, and read verses 9 and 10 again. Beginning with verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. And that's that's man, that is a such a tremendous verse there. You know, talk about finding our, you know, who we are. God answers it right there. You know, all of us as human beings, we go through life uh, having to answer. Uh, you know, some, we, we all have these same questions. Who am I? Uh, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Right here, Peter's telling us in verse 9 who we are in Christ. You know, the opening uh, words of this verse, but you, uh, marks a contrast. There's a con He's been talking about those who were disobedient, but now he's talking about us. He's talking about believers. But you, um, 
which, which is the way ver th that verse begins. Peter now turns ag again to the privileges of believers. And, 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 and these are great and, and, and awesome privileges. They are a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special people. You know, God had promised uh, these privileges to the nation of Israel if they would obey him, but they, they, they chose not to. You know, we read in Exodus uh, 19, beginning with verse 5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you should be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But because of their unbelief, you know, Israel failed to, to realize this, this promise of God. And the nation, the nation of Israel forfeited its, its privilege, uh, its place as, as being God's own people. You know, during the present age, the, the church uh, occupies the favored place that Israel lost through disobedience. You know, believers today, as Peter's writing here, are a, are a chosen generation, chosen by God before the foundation of the world to belong to Christ. But instead of being a, an earthly race of people like the Israelites, uh, you know, with, with similar ancestry and, and with similar, you know, physical uh, characteristics, we as Christians are, are a heavenly people. We have, a, we have divine parentage uh, and, and spiritual resemblance. You know, believers are also, it says here, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Now, this is the, the second priesthood mentioned in this uh, chapter, in, ver in this uh, section here. In verse 5, believers are, are described as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices and now they're said to be royal priest, royal priest proclaiming the excellencies of God. And I was trying to think of a way to uh, kind of explain that. But you, and, and most of us are familiar with the story in Acts of, of Paul and Silas. You know, Paul and Silas find themselves in the, in the, the lower parts of the dungeon. They're, they're chained to a wall and, and all this filth and Stuff is flowing underneath their feet. Uh, they don't know what's going to happen to them. You know, they, uh, they've been beaten and flogged, and, and now they're, they're chained with all these other criminals. And, and the Bible tells us that they begin to sing praises to God. They begin to sing. And, and in, in, as they sing, as they sang praises, they were operating as, as holy priests as holy priests, making the sacrifices, sacrifice of praise. But what happens after the, the earth begins to tremble and the chains fall off? Now we see them function as, as royal priests in that they begin to share the gospel with, with the jailer. And the Bible says that he and his household were saved. So those two things, holy priests offer up praise as royal priests carry the message, and, and, and we're called to be both of those. Uh, as holy priests, believers enter the sanctuary of heaven by faith to worship. 
as royal priests, we go in the world to witness. You know, as believers, we're, we're, a, we're a holy nation. It was God's intention that Israel would be this, this uh, nation distinguished by holiness, but the Israelites chose the, you know, chose the sinful practices of their Gentile neighbors. So Israel has been, has been set aside temporarily. Now, God's not through with them. Let me make that point clear. But they've been set aside temporarily, and, and the church, you and I, as, as part of the, as Jim would say, the big C church, it, it has become God's holy nation. You know, finally, Christians are a people for God's own possession. You know, they're, they, they belong to him in a, in a unique way and, and are very, very valuable to him. So if you ever feel like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not significant, uh, go back and read 1 Peter 2. You are extremely significant. You've been chosen. You've been adopted into God's family. You've been, you've been made a living stone, and he's placed you specifically in a place in his, in his spiritual house. And verse 10 says, for, for you were once, for you once were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, and, and here Peter closes this, this particular section with, with, three ver with, with, with another use of the Old Testament. And, and in, these, in this verse, he's kind of referencing uh, Hosea chapter 1 and in Hosea chapter 2, some specific verses in, in, in those passages. And, and in their original context, they describe God's rejection uh, of disobedient Israel, uh, followed by, by God's future restoration of grace. And, and here Peter applies them to the, to the salvation that has come to all believers. Uh, you know, once they were, what it says here, once they were not a people, uh, the special word here that was used for Israel. They were God's people, but they no longer are. But, uh, you know, now we as Christians are the people of God. And, and and I'm not, I'm not going to get through. I can tell that right now. But let me... Uh, let me kind of close this out, and I think that's a that's a good stopping point there, verse verse uh, ten, because beginning in verse eleven, we're, we're moving into a section that's that's kind of telling us uh, how we're to walk, how we're to act as Christians. Um, but I want you to think about it like this: that. Uh, um, You know, as, as we as we reflect on the things we've covered tonight, be reminded that that Peter knew. Peter knew as he's writing this that that Christians were going to suffer persecution, and like I said earlier, both from the hands of the Romans and and from unbelievers in general. And he told them to ex expect suffering. 
and that suffering might be endured so that others could see the Lord's power at work in their lives. Uh, after all, God was and is building a spiritual house with living stones. Peter encourages his readers, in fact, that God is building something lasting. And, and despite persecution, his people should recognize the glory of their faith and take their, their God-ordained place uh, uh, in, in God's spiritual house. And think of it like this, brick by brick, uh, life by life, stone by stone, God is creating a kingdom, a spiritual house, and he's entrusted each one of us with a, with a key position in that house. Uh, you know, as living stones, we all have a purpose. We all have an assignment. We all have a calling on our life. You, you know, you're part of God's building, his, his eternal spiritual house. And, and so ask yourself, what is he calling you to? What is he calling you to do to help build this house? And again, we all have a part to play. And I think that's why Pastor Jim is so emphatic about encouraging you to stay in the word. Because that, that's where you're going to find it. That's where you're going to find what part you play. That's where you're going to find the, the, the revelation of what your assignment is what your calling is. Uh, 